Welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Six Figure Social Worker Podcast. It's your girl, LA, and I am your Six Figure Social Worker. Again, for those of you who are just joining in on this podcast, this is where we teach you how to make a living while you're making a difference. Yes, social workers deserve to make a living. So this podcast, we share test-taking tips. And today, I really want to talk to you about the core values. And when I'm talking about the core values, not just of social work, the core values of social work, but the core values of how we should engage and interact with the population that we seek to serve. Number one, don't get caught up on the technicality of therapeutic interventions. And what I mean by that, buying treatment plan books, buying all this stuff, when all you really need is a listening ear, a compassionate heart, and a willingness to help the population that you serve. I work with individuals who focus on, you know, getting the documentation just right. And absolutely, if it's not documented, it didn't happen. So I get that. But when we're talking about being effective and dominating in the field of social work, you must allow your passion to drive you. You must allow that to drive you because it's that that's going to establish the relationship and build the rapport with the clients that we serve. You see, the clients really don't care that you have these eloquent words and you know how to document professionally. What they want to know is, are you attentive to when they're speaking? Do you seem concerned about the things that they're concerned about? They want to know, do they have your undivided attention? And so as counselors, as therapists, as licensed social workers working in the field on a micro level, we must make sure that we do not get caught up in the intricate details of paperwork while we're sitting with our clients. When the clients are in front of you, They are the most important thing. And I'm saying that from a supervisory position. I get it. Absolutely, the documentation must be done. But if you fail to build the rapport with the client, there may be no documentation that needs to be done because you know what? The client will not return. Yep, you heard me. So the client would not return because you appeared cold in your session. You appeared as if you were disinterested in what they were going through. And so don't get so bogged down by productivity and documentation and all of that stuff. Don't not do it. But there is a time and a place. I hate that I just said that. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the documentation is, is very important, but I really want you to focus on the client at hand. And I want us to get into treatment planning and all of that stuff. But today, again, I want to go over and really give some tips to those of you who are preparing to take the licensure exam. Those of you who are preparing to take the licensure exam. Okay. So I talked to you about how to prepare to take 
the exam, how the exam is administered in previous podcasts. I want to um, really look at the content outline. And so based on the information that I have, it says 14% is focused on human development and behavior in the environment. 7% is on issues of diversity. 20% is on assessment and social work practice. I'm going to come back to that. 21% is on direct and indirect practice. 10% is on communication. 5% professional relationships. 13% professional values and ethics. 2% supervision and social work. 2% practice evaluation and the utilization of research. 5% service delivery and 1% social work administration. Now, this is on an associate and bachelor's level. Those are the content um, percentages as outlined in the material that I have. Now, watch this. On the master's level, um, the content outline is 18% human development and behavior, 7% diversity and social economic justice, 11% assessment, diagnoses, and treatment planning, 22% of direct and indirect practice, 7% communication, 11% professional relationships, 11% professional values and ethics, 8% supervision, administration, and policy, 2% practice evaluation and the utilization of research, and 9% service delivery. All right. So I want to highlight something really quick. If you notice when you're at a bachelor's level and you're just going to take your LSW, 20% is on assessment and social work practice. But when you're at a master's level, 22% is on direct and indirect practice. Now, listen, this is where I went wrong. So after I graduated with my bachelor's degree, because I was working in the field, I wanted to get my license and, um, you know, become a licensed social worker. So I became a licensed social worker. Then I went that extra year for my in grad school. And um, after my two year supervision, I you know, actually I took the test <laughs> um, before completing my. No, no, no. You guys, I'm sorry. No. And I just want to be transparent and real as I'm thinking about it. I actually went, completed my two years of supervision. And then I took the test. And and maybe that's why it's so foggy. Because I failed. And then I took the test again. And, I, yep, you guessed it. I failed. And so this is why um, I, re- this is what happened that made me realize that why I was failing. So I had been working in the field on a bachelor's level, meaning that 20% of the content was, or the things that I was doing was assessments in the social work practice and direct and indirect um, practice, right? But when I got to the master's level, it was only 11% that was focused on assessments diagnosis and treatment planning. So what happened in my personal experiences when I was taking the advanced licensure, 
exam. I was taking it from the entry level, if you will, mindset. So that means when the questions were asked at an advanced level, my mindset was answering the question from a entry level position. And so that's the thing I want to help you guys understand. Those of you who may have taken the test and failed, those of you who are preparing for the test and have been working in the field, there's a couple things. Because I have been working in the field, when someone comes in for an assessment, I would do the assessment and then I would refer them to one of our services. But when you're thinking on a master level or a more advanced level, you have to rule out some things. They want to know, um, they ask questions like, what's the first thing you should do? What's the best thing you should do? And they're talking to you from an advanced standpoint. And you have to make sure whichever level you're taking the exam that you're actually reading the question from that level. So you want to make sure that you answer or read the question carefully. There will be recall questions. There'll be multiple, you know, choice questions. And you just want to make sure you're reading the questions clearly and asking yourself, is this a bachelor's level or a master's level? And you really should know that before you actually go in there. And so with that being said, I just wanted to really cover um, that that part. But I want to go over a, a sample a sample question before I move on. So it says social assessment report. This is also known as social history. Social assessment reports focus on the history of social and relational aspects of the client's functioning because past behaviors and actions are a good indicator of an individual's future behavior and action. The social worker should gather as much information about how a client reacted or responded to situations in the past. And see, that's the social assessment report. As you're gathering the assessment, you're gathering information, um, collecting collateral data, and you're really looking at it to see, wait, hold on, and looking at patterns. This is normally how this person responds when they are stressed. History says when this person is stressed, they go to marijuana, they go to um, high-risk behavior, sexual promiscuity, whatever it may be. And then we look and say, okay, what do we need to assist this particular client with in order to help the client literally change the course or the cycle of negative behavior patterns? And so that's the joy of being in the field of social work. As one who have practiced and on a micro level for over 10 years and have experienced working with diverse populations with various issues, it really has been a joy with looking at patterns and really assisting with breaking unhealthy patterns. I want to encourage you, social workers, 
Again, every time that I come on, if you don't believe that you've chosen one of the best fields that's available, if you don't believe that you can literally dominate in the field, it's going to be hard for you to master this practice. It's going to be hard for you to recognize that you too should really be making a living while you're making a difference. It's going to be hard because you're going to be sitting back waiting on life to happen to you. Wow. Here's the funny part. While you're teaching your clients to go out and make something happen. And oftentimes I run into social workers who, you know, we don't practice what we preach. And I want to continually tell all of you that may be listening the same coping skills, the same tools that we're teaching our client. It applies to us when we find ourselves in divorce court, when we find ourselves burying children and, and other family members, when we find ourselves, you know, um, faced with all kind of life issues, just because we have the licensure, just because we may be in a leadership position does not exempt us from life. And so if we're in a position to help others master this thing called life by equipping them with the necessary tools to juggle life difficulties, I'm saying, don't you dare forget to use the tools yourself. Don't you dare, because many are working in the field and they're burned out. And the only reason they're burned out is because they're failing to utilize the same tools and principles that they teach on a day-to-day basis. So listen, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're following me on social media, I will not allow you to be mediocre or to succumb to the whims of not believing that the same principles we teach in this field applies to us. So if you want to dominate in the field, if you want to make a living while you're making a difference, don't dare live a life as do what I say, not what I do. I want you to understand the same principles, coping skills, and mechanisms that we use To help others, those same things apply to ourselves. So wherever you are in the world, whatever you may be experiencing, I want you to reach down into your toolbox and I want you to pull out the necessary tools that's going to help you rebuild your life, rebuild your confidence, rebuild your finances, and help you dominate in the field of social work. Thank you once again for tuning in. Again, this is the Six Figure Social Worker Podcast. It's your girl, LA. I am your Six Figure Social Worker, and I look forward to sharing with you next episode. Thank you for tuning in. Talk to you soon. Hey, you guys, I wanted to come back on just to encourage you to visit me on my website. You know, I just expanded my private practice entitled You Change Consulting and Counseling Services. And you can visit my website at www.u, that's the letter U, changellc.com.
www.youchangellc.com. And follow me on Instagram at Six Figure Social Worker, Six Figure SW. And again, I look forward to sharing with you next time. We are making a living while we're making a difference.